Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmad Bhatti, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio and I'm your host Atik Ahmad Bhatti. I do hope you're well and in good health. It has been a really fast week I must say and um, there's so many things to do but uh, hey I'm looking forward to the 50th episode of the Homeopathy Health Show and that's going to be out on November 16th so I've got a uh, some really nice surprises lined up for you. So do stay tuned to my socials, uh, Instagram being the primary platform that I prefer. And that's, uh, you can find me at like underscore treats like, and do follow. The The more followers, the greater the exposure of homeopathy. And that's so, so important. So let's work together and really make that difference. Now, I am genuinely delighted to welcome Dr. Jan Scholten to today's show. As many of you know, and certainly he's he needs no introduction as far as the homeopathic community is concerned, but Dr. Jan Scholten is a well-known medical doctor specializing in homeopathy, and he has practiced for over 30 years. He is a researcher and notably has discovered the classification of minerals and plants, and he has added many new remedies to the homeopathic materia medica. He is also an author and an international teacher and uh, he has done some amazing work especially with the periodic system or the periodic table and uh, we're going to talk about that in in some detail today uh, really around the thought process the research involved and those moments you know of inspiration so that's today's guest i'm so looking forward to uh, introducing him to you all dr yan shelton it's an absolute honor and delight for me to welcome Jan Scholten, who is, well, I suppose Jan does not need any introduction at all to certainly to homeopaths, but he is a world leading homeopath, uh, eminent researcher, and has made several discoveries which have led to a better understanding of homeopathy and its applicability in disease. Uh, Jan Scholten, absolute honor to have you on thank you so very much for taking time out to join me and and talk to me thank you for the invitation it's also a pleasure for me <laughs> brilliant um Jan your uh, early days were as a medical doctor yeah so what was that like and and when did that turning point come where you thought oh let me see if you know I should look into homeopathy or or perhaps that's, you know, homeopathy is the way for me. What, mm. what took your interest at that time? 
what happened is <clears throat> I uh, did my doctor's examination and uh, I, I was for me obvious that I didn't want to work in a hospital. <laughs> I didn't right. like it there. But then I thought, oh, what, what would I like to do? And I decided to become a psychiatrist. But then the waiting time for that uh, course was six years and then six years of education. <laughs> I thought, that's too far away. <laughs> so then I decided to become a general practitioner. Right. I was waiting time for half a year or so, a year, something like that. And... Uh, but in between, I started doing all kinds of alternative courses. You know, I thought there must be more than what normal medicine is offering. So first did vitamins and minerals, and then did the course in acupuncture. And then I thought, yeah, homeopathy is a bit weird. But, you know, it's so common. I have to do, at least know what it is. And then I, I followed the course, and then I was astonished by those cures, you know, not only of the complaints, but that someone was his old person back. And I never heard, had heard that happening in normal medicine. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, this is crazy. How can that be? Why is it then not big? And I almost discarded it, but then I thought, but when it's really true, because I started doubting, but when it's really true, and I don't really research it myself, then I withheld something from my patients. So I had to study it at least. And then it turned out to be true. So I'm then, at, at the moment that they invited me to start the course for general practitioner, I was already so convinced for, of the homeopathy that I started thinking, why well, do something else? It's amazing, isn't it, that the, these journeys are so different for every homeopath and certainly I've spoken to so many homeopaths now from around the world, and they've all got these intriguing stories. And it's almost like a calling, isn't it? It's 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 not just a chance. It's almost like it was destined to happen in a certain way. Could very well be. But of course, it's difficult to prove. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a great mind like yourself, I'm sure you can actually prove that. But uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit... You know, we also had a bit weird idea of homeopathy because what they were saying at the universities, I thought it's a bit quack, a bit herb medicine maybe, but maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> mm. What did your colleagues think? Huh? What did your colleagues, your fellow doctors think uh, when you went down this route? What was the thought? Well, I was already out of the situation, you know, I had to go to the general practitioner's education. I was already in the, in the completely other field where I decided. Right. Okay. And and as far as that journey and then studying and, and subsequently practicing, what were those early days like for you? Because having a medical mind, often it's said that having a medical mind and then adjusting it to a holistic mind can be quite difficult or certainly challenging. Was was did you find that was the case? No, I I could imagine that because at the end of high school, I think I also thought very materialistic in 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 a sense, and I studied chemistry. It was also very materialistic, but gradually I've already developed the feeling that's not what it is. That's not what life is. So. 
in a way, when I discovered homeopathy and the theory of it, you know, how it works, it all made sense directly. Theoretically, for me, I accepted it already. But then, of course, I, had, I needed the proof of, of the wedding, you know, if it really works. And, and how, was, how was it as far as being in that moment at that time and then surely your friends and colleagues that past or, or present at that time were intrigued by the route that you've taken compared to perhaps what they were doing, which may have been working in a, a surgery or a clinic or a hospital even. But I had a lot of friends who were also having that alternative view on the world. It was, of course, also the hippie time, you know. We would start looking a bit further. Okay, that, that I'm sure that helped. Yes, for sure, for sure. And um, so what was it like in those early days of, of practice and uh, where were you seeing patients and what was your what was your system or style that you used? Was it classical homeopathy or or did you have I, just a toolkit? I don't know what you call classical, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, a concept that's used in many different ways. Um, but I gave only one remedy in that sense, classical. Uh, I repertorized, I looked for the constitutional remedy. I look at it now differently, but uh, so in a way, Kensian, I learned, what I learned was Kensian, hmm. Kensian homeopathy with the repertory. And that, that from the beginning already, I was thinking, what's the structure behind all those lists of symptoms? Because when, when homeopathy would make sense, then there must be also a logic in Materia Medica pictures. Otherwise, it's nonsense. Nonsense. But it was difficult to find. So the theory, at one hand, was very beautiful. You know, the laws similar, the laws of hearing, etc. But then the Materia Medica was chaos. It certainly is for somebody new to homeopathy, a student in the first few years, very, uh, the materia medica are of course very comprehensive. Mm -hmm. And that itself is extremely challenging because I often get asked uh, by students actually that, uh, how am I supposed to remember all these remedies? And is there no, is there a different system where perhaps I can remember them, where they have a deeper meaning than just saying, Oh, uh, Belladonna is the one for fever and Ipecac the one for nausea and vomiting. And is there a deeper system? And it takes a, a lot of effort, doesn't it? A lot of many, many years of clinical practice to be able to, to know just even a few remedies from the Materia Medica. Yeah, but it's, that was for me also the case because it's chaos. You couldn't, I couldn't make sense of it. But gradually, what, what my whole journey is to make sense of the whole Materia Medica. And what I do now is having a classification of in the animal kingdom, in the plant kingdom, in the mineral kingdom, which makes the essence of all remedies more or less already understandable. And also the structure in the remedies is also becoming, has become much more structured. So I can remember now maybe 100 times more remedies than when I started. And this is because of the, the work you've done on uh, the remedy relationships and the periodic table, no doubt. In a, in a classification, you can remember. 
And that's, and of course, the mineral kingdom, the classification was given in the form of a periodic system of all the elements, the elementary particles. So when something in the mineral kingdom has, has to make meaning, the periodic system has to make meaning. You know, I'm fascinated to know what your thought process was leading to that. Was it just an inquisitive mind? or the need to simplify things, to make it easy, not just for yourself, but homeopaths around the world? In the beginning, it was just for myself. I was just thinking, what can I do to heal that patient, that patient? Because in the beginning, for me, I had very good results, but also a lot of results that I thought of this is palliation or imagination or placebo or whatever. But the very good results showed that it worked but not very frequently, not really frequently very good. And gradually that became better by knowing more remedies. It is amazing what, what you have discovered and, and what's obviously now becoming quite widely accepted as far as the, the homeopathic world is concerned. And to, to simplify these through the use of the periodic table and, and adding uh, your own input, but... It's easy to say and easy to perhaps, let's say, for want of a better word, easy to use, but the sheer work and effort that must have been required, it, it must have been incredibly uh, you know, time-consuming as a, as a practical exercise and to develop something like what you have developed. Yeah, well, you, you could say I worked three days in a week with patients and three days in a week with researching. How long did it take? Since I began. <clears throat> Since I began with homeopathy, it was in 85. And the first five years, I just followed all the teachers that I could find. Right. Absorb everything that they were doing. Mm. But after five years, I didn't learn much more. So then I had to go my own way. Did you get help or were you just fully focused yourself? Oh. Mostly myself, but I, I've always worked in a clinic. So I have five, six colleagues, sometimes 10. And I discuss it with them and they also experiment with them. And so I get feedback from them, etc. So this is uh, at least 10, 10 years of development. Is that right? 30 years. 30. 30. Oh, my. Wow. My first book, Homeopathy Minerals, is published in '93. This system of, of prescribing and this need for classification. Have you ever thought why it wasn't there before? Was it only because perhaps one of the reasons was that the remedies were proven, they were written in the Materia Medica, repertories were uh, put together, and it was there. And, and at that time, let's say 50, 60 years ago, it was simple compared to perhaps even 50 years before that. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the reasons you feel? I think that the reason is that the homeopaths didn't do that is due to Hahnemann, who's writes in his organon, only provings, you can use only provings. And I understand that point of view from his time, hmm. uh, because there were no good classifications. You know, the periodic system is invented in 1817, and Hahnemann was already dead. Hmm. So he couldn't have used it, and there was so much speculation that he wanted to prevent speculation. So I understand it from that point of view in that time. But it's weird that 
the classification wouldn't say anything about the remedies we prescribe. So it's a natural development, I see it as. Yeah. For me, my goal was not a classification. My goal was understanding. But for that, for me, is classification is automatic. Every <laughs> science starts with classification. It's it is it's very it's a very deep subject. So for the listeners uh, who aren't aware, you know, Jan Scholten has developed a very uh, in- incredible system, which is using the periodic table of elements, and it's actually often referred to as uh, Jan Jan Scholten's periodic table, and it combines the remedies against minerals in uh, families and structures. So do do uh, Jan, can you share for those? Uh, new to homeopathy, perhaps, or not fully aware of of the work that you're, you've done about the periodic table itself and how it's you know how it's been put into columns and classifications. Yeah, the, the classification was already a long time going on, but the first thing it started was the chemistry, in the sense of they started using uh, also electricity, and with that they could split. Uh, all kinds of substances in elements. And some of them, they didn't even know they were elements. So hydrogen, for instance, they discovered it by splitting water. And then they discovered that with that hydrogen, you could make water. That's why it's called hydrogen. <laughs> so, and then they discovered all those elements. And then they started looking at all the qualities they had in reactions with others weight, um, other things, whatever, and started to try if they could group them. And gradually what came out was a periodic table where you have rows and columns. And the rows have something in similarity and the columns have something in similarity. For instance, the first column, there was natrium and lithium and cadmium. They are very reactive and they want to give uh, one electron away because then they have a full noble shell that's how you can explain it so they give it fast in a way and that's why they're very reactive so that's in common and that's why they're on the same color that from the electrons they discover more or less later but the qualities of how they react made them put them in the same column now and mendeleev came with the whole structure and the beauty of it was that there were holes, and the holes were for undiscovered elements that they discovered later. What, you know, when you were working, I'm just intrigued by this, because when you're working on something like this, because it's no easy feat, 30 years, you said, and uh, that's a really very extended period of time to develop something. Were there Are there any remedies that perhaps do not, fall into a uh, into this system, into a column? Or is the majority of remedies um, able to fall into certain categories? Yeah, that's, that's the, the newer development that I made to use. It's also for the plant kingdom. But it's not that it started that. I started just trying to make a classification, but then all the things that I was knowing, they were referring to the periodic system. For instance, a new Asteraceae, the sunflower family, that they have a lanthanide quality. Right. Know that from the first thought that made that connection was 
that we know from Anika that he says that he is uh, not sick and he sends the doctor away. And that's a lanthanide symptom because the lanthanide, you know, all homeopaths have that. They don't want doctors to do things to them. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes from the feeling of autonomy and the feeling of things come from inside out instead of the other way around. Lanthanides go inside, and that's why they have an understanding of the inside world. So it, the question I'm going to ask now is, uh, does that mean that we have these certain predefined traits then because we're facing, for, one, for, for no fault of our own, we are going to certainly fall into certain columns because of the the nature of life because of the developmental process itself yeah. Yeah. from birth to, to, to death, I suppose. Yeah, the, the beauty of the periodic system also that it in a way shows all the possible stages in life and ways how to handle it. It makes life so much easier, doesn't it? It makes life just easier to be able to, to be able to help, you know, many patients come and, and sometimes it's very, very complex and it's very difficult to, to think of a remedy, be it, you can even think along the lines of, okay, what constitution or uh, what's the miasmatic influence. It's so nice to have something available that you can, with practice, of course, and some training, you mm. can refer to and say, do you know what? I think it's 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 this, or it's this is the stage in life, and these are the correlating remedies. Mm. Um, you know, that, that does make... For instance, what's also very beautiful... A lot of people know the hierarchy of Maslow, and the psychologist, that was first oh, surviving needs, then uh, feeling safe and their relationships. Basically, what he's showing is the series of the periodic table. In a triangular form. Yeah, but it's the same themes, layer after layer. Fascinating, indeed. Uh, Jan, you know, you mentioned here, actually, that... Uh, you did consult with some doctors as well when, when you were doing this research, which actually takes me back um, to when you were practicing and, and the fact that you have a doctor's, a homeopathic doctor's center, uh, yes. and that's an outpatient center for homeopathy. So how did that actually come about? Was that during your time uh, before the research started, or was it something during? Or I, I created with a group of colleagues. I first had uh, my clinic here in my house uh, at the ground floor. But then another colleague came, another one, and it was too, too full. And then we started uh, the homeopathic uh, doctor center. And how is that going? It must be quite uh, quite the hub for uh, for healing. Yeah, of course, it's still doing very well. And... Uh, it's now uh, owned by a foundation, so uh, it has a continuation uh, factor in it. And uh, there's also now alter other alternative therapists in it, craniosacral therapy, uh, automolecular, and so on. In the beginning, it was pure homeopathy. Is there a need for additional, in your, with your experience, is that there is, do you feel there is a very strong need nowadays to have more of a holistic approach where perhaps homeop we know how vast homeopathy is in the way that it works but 
sometimes it does require other modalities um, to mm-hmm. to to integrate to gel, uh, which can accompany uh, the healing process for a patient. I, I see that as uh, you know the essence of healing is making the patient conscious of what his state of being is. And you can do that in many ways. You can do that with homeopathy. You can do it with osteopathy, by the body, with acupuncture, with psychotherapy. The only thing is you have to make them conscious one way or another. And with homeopathy, you do it with remedies. And when you, and, but you have to find the right remedy, otherwise it doesn't work. And sometimes you cannot find the right remedy. No, why not try acupuncture or osteopathy or whatever? Medicines that only suppress symptoms, they never give a real healing. You know, it's a it's a beautiful thing you've said there because even nowadays there is this tendency to think, just not everybody, but there is a tendency that it's them and us, it's or it's conventional medicine, or it's homeopathy or the highway, or it's Chinese medicine, and there's nothing else. It doesn't work that way, not in this current, in technologically advanced world that we live in. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, does it? I also tell students, go to all the homeopaths, teach from everyone. Because there's, there's the mainstream is the same, anyhow. <laughs> Finding the right remedy. How to come to that is different. But a remedy is so rich in expression that you have many entrances to come to the remedy. And it's good to see many different ones to get a good understanding. So I did it myself too. I went to all the the great teachers at that time. I wanted to learn from everyone. I wanted to see what they were doing. That's actually the best approach, isn't it? Because what happens as a result is not only does one become very aware of uh, attaining knowledge from from different sources, but ultimately it does lead to one's own success and development because with the gifts that you have and, and the empowerment that you have and knowledge, everyone, like homeopathy, they say is an art and every artist is is different and everyone can paint his or her own Picasso. Mm-hmm. It's very much like this for homeopathy that you can put things together and you can say, do you know what? This is my thought process. And 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 I was having this conversation with somebody earlier today that that's the beauty of homeopathy itself, that it's so diverse that you can mix so many things with it and, and still, you know. The reason for it is that we think that we all do with the words. And of course, we use the words. But what we try to find behind is the real feeling or the real state of it. And that that's not something you do with techniques. That's what you do with how, how you are. So everyone has to be different. It's 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 a beautiful thing. You know, I tell you, uh, people ask me, oh, homeopathy, and this is all you talk about. You talk about this at dinner and lunch. You talk about it in the morning. <laughs> and... Uh, can you talk about something else? I said, look, the thing is that I'm just fascinated every day by the potential. And certainly yourself and, and other eminent homeopaths around the world have tapped into great things and discovered great things which are helping homeopathy. But perhaps we're, we haven't even discovered certain things which uh, you know are, are 
are possible or we, well, we just I, haven't come across them yet? I discover each month new things, new aspects, but also a new group of remedies for a certain disease. It's so fast. I cannot do it all. And that's why it's good that there are many homeopaths who all follow their own feeling where they have to go. And I think maybe that's also orchestrated somehow. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's really nice, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, the objective is the same, to help, to support, yeah. to heal. Yeah. And if you can come up with great things then and make life easier for those in the field of healing, then what can be better than that? I can only agree. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, Jan, that uh, after the establishment of the Doctors uh, Center, you also are a the founder for uh, now. I, excuse me if I can't pronounce it right, but Stichting uh, Alonisos. Yes, and that's a foundation for the promotion of homeopathy. So, alongside the work that you've already already done as far as the periodic table is concerned and classifications but um you're very much involved with the promotion of homeopathy through books seminars research and mm. and clinics so do do share what that involves and and what you what the achievements are so far mm -hmm. yeah the, the, i started the foundation first as the publisher of my books i thought when i have a pub publisher then there is much more money coming in, and I can use the foundation to promote homeopathy. Why, why let it be done by a publisher? And I couldn't find a good publisher anyhow. I don't know why it didn't work. <laughs> they were not interested. Because no. your books were too good. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> no, it was totally, totally unknown what I was doing, and it was yeah, a bit out of the box. Or a bit. I was, you know, I was prescribing remedies that never had proven. It's a bit weird at that time. Did you, is that, I mean, the feedback you received at that time was that it was uh, difficult to, for them to, because of the fact that you weren't that well known or? No, it was very well received any, uh, anyhow, because it made sense. You know, I gave, the first time I gave a seminar of it was in uh, in Holland for the Doctors Association. Hmm. It was also the presentation of the book. But they were in a bit astonished, yeah. But also seeing the possibilities of it but it opens a whole new field there's a lot of research being done i know in germany and, and switzerland i hear and also um in the uk but uh, it's a great amount of research in india uh with homeopathy isn't yeah. there? i didn't know that but it's, it's great it's a lot of research and and i found one interesting thing with uh india and 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 Pakistan as well, actually, is that because, uh, and Bali as well, Indonesia, in fact, uh, going off tangent here, I was speaking to Jock uh, Kathiasa, who is who runs the Tirta Usada uh, Institute clinic in uh, Bali in Indonesia. Oh. And uh, he said 95% of the Indonesian population themselves grow up on natural medicine. Mm. Not not homeopathy itself, but just natural therapy. They're self-sufficient, self-reliant, totally, you know. Yeah. And I found with India and Pakistan, uh, places like that, South Asia, that because there's so many homeopaths and, and because it's uh, integrated into the system, that homeopathic doctors are seeing 60, 70 patients a day. 
Mm-hmm. Now that type of clinical experience is is amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because you've got complex cases to just acutes and and to be to be working at that pace, 50, 60 people every single day, seven days a week. I mean, the experience is is incredible. Yeah, but I, I think that when I would do that, I wouldn't have the time to do the research that I have done. Because, you know, you have, in a way, you have to apply instead of research. Research yes. costs, costs time. I think what you've achieved is 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 truly, uh, you know, it's it's amazing. We we all know as homeopaths, and uh, in fact, uh, let me very humbly say on behalf of the, the homeopathic community, you know, thank you so much for the work that you have done and continue to do because it makes such a big difference to people, ultimately to people's health at the end, mm-hmm. and you've given a tool where people can perhaps simplify or, or makes it simple let me rephrase makes it simple for them to be able to get to the right remedy which is the key to healing a patient mm-hmm. and that in itself is 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 a celebration i think you know it's 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 but wonderful they, you know, I, I have done it for myself for my own patients <laughs> and to give an example this week a lady came back and she had uh, uh, obstructive lung disease and she's in the 70s somewhere, and uh, also heart failure a bit and depressed. And with that whole system of classification, I came to the remedy Nierenbergia. A lot of homeopaths will never have heard of it, Nierenbergia. It's from the Solanaceae. And this worked so beautifully. She said, you know, it's not that I'm breathing anymore to a small pipe, but it's open now. <laughs> Do share some more examples because that that I've never heard that remedy um, certainly, but I prescribe it. Just there's no proving of it. And as an example, and it's purely came to that prescription due to my classification. So does that mean that it's not perhaps that important to prove a remedy in the standard structure? It's not necessary. You have to know what the remedy is, more or less. And for instance, in the periodic system, I've prescribed a lot of remedies without a problem. Ethiopium fluoratum, um, diobium carbonicum, or whatever, all kinds of combinations. The problem with the plants is you have to have another kind of knowledge to know which one to choose out of a family. Hmm. The, when you can do that and find such a remedy, then that then it, for me it means it's scientific. How is this understood and, and received by the scientific community? Because now there's something there in black and white, literally, um, to say, well, yeah. hey, look, this is the affinity, you know? Yeah, but there's a lot of also scientists who are thinking differently but don't have the guts to say so. Hmm. A book of a, a physicist, he wrote a bit about also spiritual sides and the side of physics. And then in a later book or in an article he writes, I got so much letters of scientists who were pleased and who were uh, religious, not in the old-fashioned sense, but spiritually oriented, but didn't dare to say it. 
you know, Jan, I tell you, it's, uh, you know, from where, where we are now sitting here today, it's, isn't it amazing when we think back to Dr. Hahnemann's time that he was, as we know, persecuted for his beliefs and, and his thoughts, and he moved more than, I think, 30 times in his lifetime yeah. from house to house, and mm-hmm. and it wasn't an easy life. And to come up with what he did, despite yeah. that barrage of persecution, I mean, let's be real, people didn't like him. You know, borderline, they almost hated him because he had come up with something which seemed to work, and they didn't like it. It's quite similar now. <laughs> we were having this conversation before the podcast that people have now become very receptive, post-pandemic certainly, to mm. it, whether or not they choose to use homeopathy is different. But the fact that they're willing to, certainly everyone I've come across is willing to know more about it. It's like, yeah. oh, just tell me the principles at least, or tell me how it works and, yeah. and give me an example. Mm. And that's a good thing, isn't it, for education, for understanding, for awareness. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Uh, as far as your uh, Stichting Alonisos Foundation mm-hmm. is concerned, are you quite? Is it quite involved with promotion of of this side of homeopathy that raising the actual awareness? Um, so I'm not. But it, it's not so much busy with for the public. They were, Alonisos is mostly working for homeopaths. Homeopaths, okay. To make the level of homeopathy better. And, and that will have also influence, of course, the, the promotion. But, you know, this is also not my part. I'm, I'm not a marketeer. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, a great mind. That's what you are, Jan Scholten. I'm a researcher. <laughs> that's what I, what I like. I do it naturally. That's, that's a gift that you have, you know? Mm. Not everybody has that. Mm. Uh, what's next for for you as far as homeopathy is concerned? Is there anything that you're currently working on, perhaps a book or uh, further research? I'm working on many things. I'm oh, very, do share. <laughs> I, I'm very much busy with ferns. Uh, that's also a group that we didn't know very well. And uh, that started because I started getting uh, autistic children, retarded autistic children. And uh, in the beginning, I couldn't help my, many of them. But then two years ago, I did a few provings of ferns. And then I thought of one of those patients. And I gave it, and it worked very beautifully. And uh, what's, your, um, what's your thought process as far as why autism seems to have, have risen so dramatically in, in, in recent times? Are there a, a variety of causative factors? I, I think so. You know, it's difficult to find that out because it's so erratic where it comes. Mm. But uh, I think the pollution uh, with all the toxins all over the world in the food and in the air and in the water and in the medicines, uh, the vaccinations. Uh, I know from those autistic children, a lot of them got really started autism with the vaccination. Mm. So in those stories, the connection is very clear. You have actually recently um, done a lot of work on on the lanthanides and uh, mm-hmm. their close link in helping autoimmune disorders and, and uh, diseases of a very serious nature, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, how have you found that working in practice? I mean, the results must be incredible. Oh, yeah. Before I discovered the lanthanides, autoimmune diseases were difficult. 
Crohn's disease, colitis, some good results or partially or palliation, but now Crohn's disease is for me a very easy thing. And the colitis also. Mostly they're they go well. That's that's so good to know. And that's you know, that's a great hope to the world of medicine itself, irrespective of what which, which modality is, because there is a cure available. A truly a natural cure is available. And especially colitis, you know, what, what my first thought, it's a lanthanide oxidase. So you only have to find out the stage when it's a mineral, of course. But the same themes of lanthanides and oxidase, you can find also in the animal kingdom and in the plant kingdom. So then you can look further with the same idea. And it can also be sulfur, you know, there are, and there are variations around it. So it's not, not limited, but that's the bit like the skeleton of colitis. And what do you feel uh, with all this research and, and everything that has sort of taken place in recent times as well, which we're all aware of as far as the world is concerned? And there's this big element now of, of fear. Uh, in people for for a variety of things, and people are genuinely fearful, and it's very different. And it's amazing what two years can do to a person's mind, isn't it? Um, but it's also understandable, you know, the war in Ukraine, uh, the threat of an atomic war. You know, that for years that was not a real threat, but now I don't know how real it is, but much more than two years ago. And then the threat of corona, you know, not only that uh, it will, the disease, but also all the uh, lockdowns and things like that. But then there's, of course, still the fear, the fear, you know, fear for the disease, the fear for other things. And this, there's a kind of logic in that fear. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you uh, for your advice to students of homeopathy in their early years or those who are interested in taking a step to this path of healing, what would what would Jan Schulten's advice be to future homeopaths? Um, what comes to my mind, maybe I shouldn't say, but I'll say it anyhow. Some schools, or I've heard of a lot of schools, they think that you first have to learn Kantian from the start, and once you have learned that, then you can go into the new things. My advice is not true, it's different, you know. You have to learn them also from the beginning, because otherwise you have to change later on. You have to incorporate both many systems from the beginning. And then you can understand better what the relationships are instead of having to fill them in afterwards. Mm. And especially the periodic system has proven itself so hugely often. <laughs> I, I, I know from homeopathy, say, for me, it's a natural way of prescribing. I don't even think about it. And I don't. And when I prescribe a mineral, a lanthanide, I don't use the books. It's just a story. You understand what's going on. You prescribe it, and you have a beautiful result. What more do you want? You're extremely humble, I must say, Jan Scholten. Yeah, you, <laughs> you have a great... <laughs> You've done a great service, and you're extremely. I, I, but for the listeners, you can hear the audio, but obviously, I can see Jan uh, through Zoom, and uh, a very humble person indeed. Yes, but I, I haven't done it. I've just received it, 
but I was open to look. That's and that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's the key. Open. I try to understand all my patients. Why should he have a stomach problem? What's going on there? Now, with your with such a hectic lifestyle, um, or should I say, well, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? Because you're involved with helping people in the research, and then there's seminars and teaching, and and so many things, uh, and sharing that knowledge that you know you've been sort of uh, you've been blessed to have. Do you get any actually time to yourself? Yeah, but that's not very much part of myself. You know, I, it's natural for me. Sometimes I get tired, but then you start doing something else. Or um, read open music, listening to music, or going out, or, or start a nice cooking. Yeah, cooking is nice, definitely. Yeah, I like cooking. Good. I've had, you know, I've had plate spinners, I've had cello players, I've had people who just like hiking uh, in, in beautiful scenic like surroundings. Um, music is very... Very special for me, always. Good, yeah, good. Um, Jan Scholten, as I said right at the beginning, and I will say it again, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the podcast today. And I sincerely hope that uh, very soon we can uh, talk more and have part two of this uh, conversation. And maybe you can share a bit more information and your uh, knowledge and experiences in healing. For me, okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. It's it's been it's been one of the. Uh, I tell you something just before we go that everyone I've spoken to, and I've mentioned this to so so many people. Everyone is so looking forward to this podcast to yeah. to hear you to know about your thought processes and you know that tangible feel to homeopathy. I think it's it's so critical to the next generation of homeopaths. It's so yeah. needed. That they need to be educated from the start with all the new ideas. Absolutely. Jan Scholten, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that was Dr. Jan Scholten. Amazing mind, uh, an amazing researcher, and he's added so much to the world of homeopathy. And as Palin Brzezewski uh, very aptly said, it's um, the show, this podcast is is a celebration of everything good in homeopathy. And you know when I say everything good, I literally mean everything. There's nothing bad in homeopathy. It's safe, it's natural, it's deep, deep acting, it's curative, it's gentle, and you know it's applicable for acute and chronic conditions. And um, it's really taking off around the world now. I've had figures actually from uh, good friends of mine in the community, which range upwards to over 600 million users of homeopathy now around the world. And that's a phenomenal amount of people, isn't it? It's just absolutely amazing. And that's so inspirational as well for all of us. And I must take this opportunity also to thank all the homeopaths, whether they are promoting homeopathy, whether they are serving humanity through homeopathy, whatever it is, it's just an amazing world to be in. It really is to help people and to support them in their healing journey. I mean, it's just, it's such a big, big honor. I'm telling you, it's an honor and it's most humbling indeed. Now, next week, 
I'll be talking to Krista Rive from uh, Buffalo in New York, and she's going to be sharing her experiences and insights on homeopathy. And uh, I really look forward to that. It's going to be an excellent conversation indeed. Very, very knowledgeable is Krista indeed. So until next time, stay safe and take care. I do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Homeopathy Health Show. Please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials. Remember, the more exposure the podcast receives, the better for homeopathy around the world. You can find me on Instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at like treats like. So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab. Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far. And of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile, tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.